Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. I, um, I believe God's given me a word for the house today. And I, I am... It always amazes me how God will do things where there will be conversation and other things kind of pointing you into the direction that he's been talking to you about. You know what I'm saying? And You know, when you start thinking about something, then all of a sudden three things happen to make it obvious. You ever had that happen? And so um, uh, I think that's kind of where we are today. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. They're going to show up on the screen. And it says this. It says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus had to pass through Jericho. There lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus. Oh, there lived a very wealthy man named Fred. Sorry, no, wrong scripture. That one scripture wasn't by me. Named Zacchaeus, who supervised all of the tax collectors. He was very eager to see Jesus and kept trying to get a look at him through the massive crowd. Since Zacchaeus was a short man and couldn't see over the heads of of the people, he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree to get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down for I may stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and found himself face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go to Zacchaeus, go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained. Sounds like the U.S. today. Look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat at the house of a crook. Zacchaeus was amazed over his gracious visit to his home and joyously welcomed Jesus. Zechariah stood in the front of the uh, stood in front of the Lord and said, "Half of all that I own, I will give to the poor." And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay them back four times as much as I have stolen. This is a broken man. Jesus said to him, "Your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household, and that you are a true son of Abraham." The Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Somebody say lost. Our title of this message today, I'm on the come up. Somebody say I'm on the come up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you're going to say. I pray that you speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. The setting of this, of this story is, uh, is quite interesting because you have to imagine Jesus walking through Jericho and a crowd of people gathering to see him. At this point, they probably heard stories of what he's done and the miracles that are happening. And so these people are running to the street. They want to get a glimpse. They want to see Jesus. Amen? I don't know if you ever felt like that, but uh, I felt like that one time in my life. Somebody said one time. Um, I just happened, just happened, just happened 
to see Barack Obama walking by. Now, now Barack ain't Jesus, so don't even go there and start tweeting me and, and all this stuff. But it was just one of the moments where I was like, oh my God, I gotta see him, I gotta see him. And he's very tall, so I didn't have to climb a tree or any of that. But you get this feeling that people wanted to see this man they were hearing about. So you gotta put, put, this, put this setting in place and there's a crowd and there's a crowd. And then you got Zacchaeus, somebody say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes out and there's a crowd, but he wants to see Jesus too. Now, the Bible is very clear about who Zacchaeus was. The Bible says that he supervised all of the tax collectors. So Zacchaeus was not a very popular man by any means. Come on, somebody. It's like if you had an aunt that worked for the IRS, right, or an uncle that worked for the IRS, you probably never go to their house to visit them ever because you'd just be mad at them. For <laughs> Why are you mad at me? You work for the people that took half of my income. Come on, somebody. Zacchaeus is this guy. He is very well hated. He is very well uh, outcast of society. He is very well not welcome to the crowd that's gathering. He's very well pushed aside. He's very well mistreated and forgotten and thought, un, you know, not thought about. And, and so this is Zacchaeus coming to a crowd to see Jesus. I find it interesting, and, and there's a few things I want to point out here, that if you really understand how Jesus worked and if the presence of God is really at your place, at your church, then it's going to draw everybody. Somebody say everybody. I mean, it's going to draw the misfits and it's going to draw the ones who think they got it together. Amen. This is how you know God's presence is true because if it doesn't draw everybody and it pushes certain people away, I will venture to say God ain't in it. Yes, I said ain't. He ain't in it. Most of y'all go to ain't in it churches. Amen. Most of us fellowship with ain't in it people because we think that God shows up and everybody has to look like us and that is not how the Bible teaches. Actually, the Bible is very clear that when the presence of God shows up, he draws all men. Somebody say all. Now we've defined what all means once before and if I need to define it again, I will, but all means all. I feel like I sound like a jerk, right? <laughs> just a little bit. Steve was like, yeah, just a little bit. I get very frustrated. I get very passionate when, when, I, when I see people using the gospel to support their hate. So, yeah, I might be a little bit, you know, jerkish towards you because let me tell you something. If you think God supports your hate for people, you have missed the point of the gospel. Amen? So, so Jacchaeus uh, comes out, there's a crowd, most of these people do not like him, but he wants to see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus, he wants to be near Jesus, he wants to get a glimpse. The Bible says he just wanted to see Jesus. He wasn't even trying to be 
around, like, you know, getting Jesus crew. He wasn't trying, he just wanted to see him. Somebody say, see him. It's something about the presence of God that draws people that may not even want to interact. They just want to see. Amen? And so he goes on, he climbs a tree, and Jesus, they have this whole interaction. And I don't want to belabor the point. I do want to give you a few things that I think are good for application for us today, how we can take this story. Now, the the truth is... uh, there's a lot more context to the story than I just gave you. Amen. Amen. And you should pick it up and go read it and do a little research. But, but I do want to give us some application today that I think will help us. First thing is this, stop waiting for approval. Somebody say stop waiting for approval. A lot of times in our life, I think a lot of us are waiting for all the things to be right all of the conditions to work perfectly before we take our step of faith. I think a lot of us are waiting for affirmation from certain people, from certain organizations, from certain things. <clears throat> and we know, we know God is calling us and beckoning us and, and, and pulling us and, twer- and we feel it and we understand it. But a lot of us spend so much time waiting for approval that we never actually get to do what God's called us to do. And I want to encourage you this morning, just like Zacchaeus. Listen, Zacchaeus could have saw the crowd. He could have tried to wait for the crowd to clear out. He could have tried to maneuver his way to figure out how to get in Jesus' group and, 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 you know, maybe see if Jesus will come and have dinner with him. He could have did all these things. I mean, he had money. He could have probably threw some money at the situation. He could have probably did all kinds of stuff. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't do any of that. He decided, I'm going to run ahead of the people. Somebody say, run ahead and climb a tree. Zacchaeus decided that he wouldn't wait for somebody to affirm him to get a glimpse of Jesus. Zacchaeus decided that his view of Jesus was more important than his affirmation from people. You understand? We are lacking encounters because so many people are sitting on pews waiting for churches to affirm them. People are not hearing the gospel because so many people go to church after church, Sunday after Sunday, and we wait for the pastor to come lay hands on me. I just want to, you know, just get your behind out there and tell people about the gospel. Y'all, y'all quiet. It's all right. It's all right. Y'all be quiet. Listen, he was not a like man. We got to stop waiting on everybody to like us. Stop waiting on everybody to be okay with you. I had to learn that the hard way. You know, I used to love, you know, I used to love the attention that people would give me when I was like, oh man, you know, when I got 5,000 friends on Facebook, I thought I was doing something. Hey. And then I make a post and then I go 4,980. And I'm like, dang, 20 people just left me? Cause y'all didn't like my post? I said it just like that too. 
We got to stop waiting on everybody to like us and be okay with us. You get what I'm saying? Everybody ain't going to like you. You're not going to please everybody in your life. If you live your life and you think that everybody's going to like you, then you, I'm telling you, it's going to be a terrible and miserable life because there is no way that you can live your life. There's no way you have the weight and the, the, uh, the, the sense to bear the weight for everybody to like you. This means you will be pulled every way possible. Whenever somebody's opinion changes, you got to figure out how to, uh, you, you see what I'm saying? It's even confusing when I'm saying it because if we are trying to be liked by everybody, we'll never accomplish what God placed us here on earth for. He was not a like man. But imagine if he would have walked into the crowd and he would start tapping people on the shoulder and say, hey, can I get through? Can I? Are you okay? Sorry about your taxes, baby. Here's, here's a couple of dollars. Let me, can I slap? No. He didn't do that. He didn't wait for the affirmation. He knew he wasn't liked, but he still went after what he wanted. He was a misfit. He was the misfit in the story. And many of us are the misfit. And it's okay, hear me, it's okay that we are different. I'm going to say this real quick because I think sometimes we know, you know, a long time ago, um, I used to think it was bad that I thought. You understand what I'm saying here? Like I used to think it was something was wrong with me that I might have a problem with what the pastor said on Sunday. Right? Like I used to think something was wrong with me because... I didn't agree all the time, every time. And the church taught me that. Like, the church taught me, like, if, if, you, if you disagree with the pastor, you're going to hell. Y'all know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pastors show up at your house. Uh, let, let's talk, baby. So I used to think something was wrong with me. I used to think I, that, that something was wrong with me and that I was built wrong or, or that God made a mistake because, oh my God, he gave me a mind to think. And why couldn't I just sit down and take it like everybody else and be okay? But listen, I want you to hear me. Listen, if, if, if Jesus had a came here and thought like the religious folks, we wouldn't have the Savior we have. You understand? If he wouldn't have gone against the grain, if he wouldn't push back on the religious time and the religious leaders of that day, we would not be where we are today. If Jesus had stepped up and said, oh, you know what, you know, let's listen to the Pharisees, let's do all the things they said, amen, hallelujah. Glory to me. Jesus, okay, okay. If he hadn't done that, if he hadn't been somewhat of a rebel, if he hadn't had somewhat of a rebellious internal thing going on to kick back and push back against the religious leaders and the religious times and the religious ways of that day, we would not know the gospel to be what it is today. But you have to understand, God does sometimes anoint rebellious folks. Amen. So it's okay that you don't think like everybody else. It's okay that you might push against the grain. It's okay that you might not agree with everything the pastor says. It's not the end of the world. 
Somebody come to me and say, Pastor, I don't agree with what you said. Guess what I'm going to say? Okay. Tell me what you think. Now, if you're wrong, I'm going to say you're wrong, okay? Just know that, all right? I'm going to prove it, too. Somebody say, stop waiting for approval. You are waiting, and we are waiting, and we keep waiting, and we keep waiting. Those that wait upon the Lord, yes, he will renew your strength, but that word waiting is not sitting and doing nothing. That word waiting is actively doing what God's called you to do while you're waiting for his return. Amen? You have to understand, many of us are waiting for the conditions to be right, the resources to be there, all this stuff. But I came to tell you that not everything is going to be in place when you have to go after what God was saying. You got to learn how to trust him along the journey. Sometimes the faith that you're going through is the road that you need to take. You understand? I've been in this class because, uh, you know, I started school and we're doing this class. It's called Matt Reading's book called Mastery. And they talk about the, the, the journey to mastery. And it, one of the things is uh, going back to your origins, you know, back to the beginning. They say the, the writer of the book says that most of the things that you end up doing in life that you're called to do, you knew it at a child, as a child. You understand? You discovered it as a child, but then life happens and you, you deviated from what you really wanted to do. Which I was like, bro, I wanted to play football, so I don't know if that's right. But I discovered as a child that football wasn't right for me when I went to play my first uh, uh, game and they broke my, uh, no, I went to a practice and they broke my pinky in practice. Come on, somebody. And I joined the marching band. (laughs) You know, it's funny though, I started reflecting and I realized that every time that I have had a fallback, it's been in some form of creative world, of the creative world. So yeah, I wanted to play football, but they broke my pinky. Guess what I did? Joined the marching band, learning music. I, I spent time there. I, I wanted to do this, and then I understood that I found myself doing cameras and, and graphic work and, and, and production. And, and, and I began to realize, yes, the origins of my life. And when I go back to the beginning, when I look back over my life, I find myself looking at the things that I was already doing. Then he goes on to say, you got to learn how to avoid the false path. Somebody say false path. Y'all may not know about this, but there is a false path that we're all going to go through. But he talks about over and over, and and there's so many things. But the reality is he's saying you got to, to become a master of your world or an expert in your field, you got to learn how to have the courage to stay the course. Somebody say stay the course. So we got to learn how to stop waiting for approval. Learn how to go when we don't have all the resources. Learn how to know that everything doesn't have to be in place for you to start. Amen? That just sounds crazy, Pastor Fred. Well, that's what faith is sometimes. Next thing is this, there has to be a sense of urgency. Somebody say sense of urgency. Luke 19, 4 says, so he ran ahead. He ran. Somebody say ran. Ran. And he climbed up a sycamore tree or also known as a fig tree to see him. He wanted to see Jesus. So he ran. Somebody say ran. 
Some of us are like, Jesus, do this for me, and then we, we take off real slow. You ever seen that sloth in uh, Zootopia? Right? It's funny, though, because our faith is like, the, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm believing for God to do that, and then we don't see you. Well, I want the Lord to show up for me. Take some steps. I'm tired of us talking. I'm sorry. I'm tired of us just talking. That's all we do. Some lot, a lot of times, you, I'm, I'm whew, let me say this the way I need to say it without hurting people. But a lot of us Christians, that's all we do is talk. We talk a good game. And then we bash people who are not saved, and they're doing more for the community than we are. I know you can't stand on, you can't say amen when I'm standing on your toe. Just say ouch. Keep on moving. Amen. We can't sit here and, 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 and talk about a big old God and God is real and believe in God and do all this stuff and then we shut our doors and we don't actually go out in the street. We don't do anything to help people. What is that? We need to have a sense of urgency. And I'm convinced that the body of Christ has lost its sense of urgency. I'm convinced that we have gotten laxed and we've gotten comfortable with everything being okay. And I believe that's why the American church is being shaken up right now. Because we're so good and so comfortable and so okay with everything being just like it is. Don't tell me I can't go to church. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But sometimes God comes through and he shakes things up because when we get in a place of comfort and we get relaxed, sometimes the Holy Spirit got to move some stuff so you can feel and, and, and understand. You know, sometimes he do it just so we can all see if you really say, you really love Jesus. But most of us love Jesus until we go through something. Say this with me. Say, where I am is not who I'm called to be. What you see in this moment, the struggle that I'm living in, the struggle that we're living in, the tension that we're living in is not who we're called to be. You understand? Zacchaeus could have looked at his circumstances. He could have looked at his stature. He could have looked at all the things that would tell him that he is not Worthy, and he should just go on and move and go back and don't even try. But he didn't do that. He said, where I am is not who I'm called to be. I'm going to run in front of this crowd, and I'm going to climb this tree. Bars. <laughs> and he did it with a sense of urgency. The Bible says he ran, he cl- he ran and he climbed a a sycamore tree, sycamore. This is also known as a fig tree. When you look up the word fig, the word fig means defraud. Or it means place of comfort. He ran and he climbed up a tree. And here's, here's what, I'm, what, I'm, what I've been thinking about lately. 
I think God is in a place where he's shaking up our places of comfort. Hear me. It's easy to get comfortable with success. It's easy to get comfortable with everybody liking us and everybody celebrating us. It's easy to get comfortable in places where it don't really take real faith. But I believe we're entering a time where God is shaking up our places of comfort. But he's shaking up our places of being okay with just being okay. I'm sorry, I done been through too much to live my life with just being okay. I'm sorry, I was talking this morning, well not talking, I was thinking this morning when my son was with me this morning, I was like, I don't wanna leave this earth and my son not be fully prepared for what's coming his way. I don't wanna leave this earth and my family not experience the grace and the, good, the goodness of God. I don't wanna leave this earth and, and not be wealthy and, 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 and pass on generational wealth. I don't wanna leave this earth and not pass on generational good health and, and all this. I want to leave this earth and my children Children and their children and their children to know that their granddaddy and great granddaddy was a man who loved God, who gave his all so he could do see God's glory work through his family line. You understand what I'm saying? I am. Listen, listen. I don't want to to live my life without a sense of urgency. I don't want to get so comfortable with being just okay that I'm uh, that I'm happy that I get to experience this good stuff, and then it cuts off with me. The devil is a liar. I want my children and my children's children and their children and their children and their children to understand to still experience uh, the revival that I live in now. It. it I didn't grow up understanding generational wealth. I didn't grow up understanding that. So it wasn't important. But I don't want to make excuses. I serve a great God, right? I don't want my obstacle become my crutch. Yes, I grew up without my father, but it won't be my crutch. It's an obstacle. It's an opportunity. You understand? Yes, I grew up poor, but it's not going to be my crutch. Yes, I grew up having to fight for things and do I'm not going to let it be my crutch, and I'm not going to let it pass on to the next generation. It's got to be a sense of urgency. And I believe God's shaking up our places of comfort. The next thing is this. This is not about being elevated higher. It's about being elevated to humility. Somebody say elevated to humility. See, we think being humble is weak. Humility is a very, very strong force. It says, when Jesus came to this place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come on down. Sound like price is right. 
Zacchaeus, come on down. For I'm going to stay at your house today. So he heard and he came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus had the money to try and work his way in with Jesus. But he didn't do it. Zacchaeus also had a title. You hear me? He wasn't like, but he had cultural respect because of his title. And Jesus looks at him and says, come on down. I'm going to stay at your house tonight. What I love about this If we break all of this language down, Zacchaeus has ran, he's climbed into a place of comfort. That's what the sycamore tree refers to. Fig tree, place of comfort. And Jesus looks at him in his place of comfort and says, come on, bro. I don't want you to stay there too long. Because if you stay there too long, you're going to miss out on all this. It's funny. We, uh, we actually had a conversation about fig trees and stuff this week. And we were talking about how anytime you see Jesus encounter a fig tree in the Bible, it's a very short interaction. Either he curses it or don't say anything to it or he just moves on. Here's another example. Zacchaeus, fig tree, Brad, come on. Jesus didn't even have a conversation with him. He's sitting in the tree. Get out of the tree, please. Fig trees, first of all, I don't like figs. I think they're the nastiest thing in the history of mankind. Just, you know, y'all need to stop eating them things. They are not blessed by the Lord. Jesus cursed the fig tree, and we still eating cursed stuff. Let it go. Amen? <laughs> um, but, but his reaction to fig trees, deep-seated, I think it goes back to when man in the garden tried to make coverings for themselves out of figs, trying to cover their issues, figs. And we were talking about this earlier this week, me, Logan, and Jason, and and the reality is Jesus will always curse what we try to use to cover our issues. He'll never be okay with any place of your life that you have made okay to cover your issues. And many times we don't see, we don't want to take that journey because it's hard to take that journey because we're like, Lord, don't mess with that one. No, no, why? <laughs> Leave this one alone, Jesus. 
You have all this other stuff. I got a whole bunch of issues right here. Here we go. Come on. He's like, nope, that one. Because that's the one you run to. That's the one that's your slave master. That's the one that you find peace in when, you, when you're going through. That's the one that when you're stressed out, you keep leading to the, no, I want to deal with that one. Bring that one to me. See, in church, we think God is always trying to take us higher. But I think Jesus is always trying to make us humble. And we'll sing songs about it. Higher, higher, higher. Y'all don't know about them songs. Y'all heard. We do all kinds of stuff. And we'll declare it. We say, I'm going higher in Jesus' name. Amen. I ain't heard one church stand up on Sunday and say, I'm getting humble in Jesus' name. Have you ever heard that? Because in our mind, we always think that God wants to elevate us to a higher place because we like to look down on people and situations and other things and feel good about ourselves. But how many of you know Jesus is here to make us humble? Because the more humble we are, the more patient we are with other people. The more we love other people, the more we realize, I need Jesus like you need Jesus. And maybe we can find him together. Maybe we can walk this journey out together. I don't look at you and think I'm better than you because I know I ain't got it all together. You know what I'm saying? You catch me in traffic on the wrong day. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's like Monday through Sunday. Wrong day. Traffic. Y'all think I'm playing. The Lord has delivered me a little bit. I don't cuss in front of my children in traffic. Sorry, y'all. I'm going to move on. I ain't going to tell all my business. We're being elevated to humility. Elevated to humility. I wonder what would happen if followers of Christ, believers, love people unconditionally. If we live our lives in such a humble way that we saw people's condition and we cared for them instead of cursing them. I wonder if I was more patient with people instead of getting upset because they being who they is. You get what I'm saying? Y'all know who I'm talking about, them people that get on your nerve. Uh, I got them. Amen. Some of them go to the church. They just watch online. They don't come to the building, okay? I'm move on. <laughs> the next thing is this, and this is the last thing. We must embrace our imperfections. Somebody say embrace our imperfections. <clears throat> I love what he says. Zacchaeus says to Jesus, uh, he says in verse 8, Zacchaeus was amazed over his gracious visit to his home and joyously welcomed Jesus. And Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, <clears throat> half of all that I own, I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, I promise to pay them back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus said, your repentance shows that today life has come to you in your household and that you are a true son of Abraham. 
The Son of Man has come to seek and to give life to those who are lost. Verse 7 implies that the people were upset that Jesus went to be with Zacchaeus because the people knew Zacchaeus and he didn't have a great reputation with the people. And so they were talking junk. Oh, of all the people he can go with, he gonna go with him? Woo! And I can just imagine some of the women out there just, you know, really? Gonna go to Zacchaeus? And the men over there like, mm. Okay, Zach, I see you. And Jesus is like, come on, Zacchaeus, we're going to your house. And he's like, everybody just talking John. And they getting an uproar. And it's, it's, they having a fit because why is he going to this house of this sinner, this man that's cheated us, that's stole from us, that's misused us, that's, that's, that's treated us bad, all these different things. And Zacchaeus is gracious because Zacchaeus knows himself. Somebody say he knew himself. I wonder if we ever thought about it and if we ever had an encounter with Jesus where we're like, man, I'm so grateful, Jesus, because I know me. Amen. I told somebody one time, they said, Fred, you don't preach enough on sin. I said, because people know they own sin issues. I don't need to, you don't need, I don't need to remind you. You know what you know. Come on, somebody. You wake up in church and you walk through them doors, you like, there is, a, for most of us, probably for all of us, there's a slight thought where you're like, ooh, Lord Jesus, mm. you get, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, woo, Lord, I'm glad you saw, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. And he's standing there, and the Bible says he's gracious, to, and he's joyously welcomed Jesus. Why? Because he understands, I don't have a great reputation, and I don't know why you would come to my house, and I don't know why you would choose me, and I don't know why you would interact with me, I don't know why you would spend time with me, but I'm grateful, I'm thankful, because I need you just like everybody else needs you. And I'm telling you, some of us need to understand, just like Jackie is, God has chosen us, he's wanting to use us, he's wanting to do something great with our lives, and guess what? We do don't deserve it and get and it's okay you know yourself I know you I know me we don't deserve it but God still loves us he still sees something great in us he still wants to do something great with you and I don't care what we've gone through the hurt we've experienced whatever it may be your reputation may be broken with people but God still wants to use you I know me I'm broken, I'm messed up, I'm tore up from the flow up, make you want to throw up because I need to grow up. But Jesus still loves me. And he looks at Jesus and he says, man, I want to right my wrongs, Jesus. Because see, listen, when you have a real encounter with grace, grace causes you to give grace. And he says, half of all that I own, half of it. I love him because he's still, you know, he's smart. Half of all that I own, I'll give it to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated anyone, 
I will pay them back. I promise to pay them back four times as much as I stole. Listen, Zacchaeus completely embraced his imperfections. I was reading, I've been reading this book, and this book is called Guilt-Free Living, and he talks about, listen, listen, he's talking to Jesus, and Jesus says, your repentance shows that today life has come to you in your household and that you are a son of Abraham. I've come to seek and save those that are lost. Jesus never addresses his issue. Jesus never looks at him and says, you only gonna get half? He never looks at him and says, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? Why are you going, you know? He just says, man, your repentance? shows salvation come to your house. I've been reading this book called Guilt-Free Living and he makes this statement, he talks about sin and he says, as far as God is concerned, when it comes to your sin issues, his response is, I'm satisfied. Because of the cross, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, God is completely satisfied with our sin issues. He has nothing against us. He's holding nothing against us. He's not waiting to smite us or kick us out or, or throw us to the side or kick us to the curb. He's satisfied. Somebody's satisfied. But he says this. He says, but your repentance of your sin be- comes because your sin affects your horizontal relationships. So when we are repenting, we're not repenting to God for our sins so we can get here. Actually, the Bible is teaching us to repent to one another. Zacchaeus, Jesus, I'm so grateful you're here. I don't know why you're here, because I know me, but I'm willing to, to give everything. I'm willing to, to, to pour my life out. I'm willing to, to put everything to this. I'm willing to put it all on the line. I'm willing to repay people. I'm willing to give away everything, half of what I have to the poor, because this encounter with you is worth more than anything. I could ever own. Amen? So, in closing, we gotta learn how to embrace our imperfections. You see, if we live our life trying to be a version of ourselves that ultimately we are really not that person we will always come up short and incomplete. And I don't believe God wants us to live our life being a cheap copy of who he called us to be. Bishop told me to say, uh, God can only anoint the real you. Somebody say the real you. 
He can only anoint the real you. And a lot of us, are we have become something other than who we know we are. And we spend so much time and so much energy hiding sin and hiding stuff and, and trying to sweep stuff under the rug and trying to do this. Listen, let it all go. Just let God do a work in your life. Because that's what he wants. He wants to reel you. Amen? So as we are closing, I'm going I'm to can you come play for me, Caleb? And I just, I just want to give us a moment just to sit. I promise you we're about to go. But I wanted to give a moment for us to let this soak in for a second. What is it that you know? Where in your life I want you to consider just for a moment what do you believe God wants to do with your heart today? You look at it and say, Pastor Freight, man, you, I mean, it's on point. I feel like, I feel like Zacchaeus. I feel like feel like, you know, I don't have it all together. I know everybody knows that. But, but I really want to have an encounter with Jesus. I want, to, I want to have a moment with him. And I want that moment with him to be as pure as possible. And here's my encouragement to you. Your moment with Jesus is not based on anybody's opinion of you. It's not based on anybody's thought of you is based on you and him you and him I wish we could teach people that in the church it's not my responsibility to foster your relationship with God that's you and him I'm not going to tell you how to have a relationship with God you hear me in conversations, we, Jason said it so clearly, he said, nobody can tell me how to have a relationship with my wife. You're not going to tell me what to do with my wife. But we want people to tell us exactly what to do when it comes to a relationship with God. It don't work that way. God wants you to have a relationship with him. And it's between you and him. Even being married, husband and wives, your wife, your, your relationship with God is not based on your relationship with your husband. What, husbands, your relationship with God is not based on how your relationship with, I mean, how your wife's relationship with God is. It is you and God. He wants you and him. He wants you and him. You got, listen, we got to lay down every other thing that tells us something different. We got to lay down every hurt, every disappointment, every, every let down. We got to lay it all down. We got to lay down every expectation that our spouse is trying to make sure that we're holy. We got to lay all of that down and we got to accept that God wants me just me just me friend broken friend messed up sometimes he thinks a little too much of himself 
He probably shouldn't wear red shoes, but because other people are gonna be mad at him. You get what I'm saying? Me. Fred. And there are times in my life where I I see that thing, I go, why me? Why do you like me so much? God's reminding me. My love for you is unconditional. I formed you. Think about that. God's like, I formed you. I knew you like red shoes. I knew you like them fake Nikes off of Amazon that you work out in every morning. I formed you. Stephen, like, for real, bro? I'm telling I'm putting it all on the table, Stephen. All of it. Because that's the way God made me. And he likes me. And he likes you. And I feel like in this moment, come on, close your eyes and bow your heads. I feel like in this moment, I just feel the presence of God and, and, and really to, to push the Holy Spirit to, to just declare some things over you. I want to, I want to declare some word over you. <clears throat> I want to declare over you that you are loved. You are loved unconditionally. And I declare over you the word of the Lord that, to remind you that you are God's child. I declare to remind you that you are now no longer a slave to sin, but you are God's child. I declare over your life right now, and I hear the Lord saying this, that I need to declare of some of you that the words spoken of you by leaders, church leaders, hurt, all of that stuff is gone. You are not that person. God says you are no longer to live your life defined by those words, but he wants to define who you are. I declare over you right now in the name of Jesus, and I break the chains of the enemy that has tried to attach itself to you in disappointment and, and, and confusion. And I hear the Lord saying this, that this next season, this next journey of your life, this next time, this next go around is going to be greater than you ever imagined because you made it through. You made it through. <clears throat> oh, God. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.